In only a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the trumpet, we will see him come. In only a moment, we'll behold him in the sky. And the Lord Himself will quickly take us home. We shall all be changed, caught up to heaven in a cloud of glory. We shall all be changed, transformed in victory. Death. Where is thy sting? God conquered death and hell. We shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. In only a moment, Jesus Christ will call His own. With the voice of the angel and the trump of God, in only a moment, we'll be raised from earth to heaven. And we'll live in peace forever with the Lord. We shall all be changed, caught up to heaven in a cloud of glory. We shall all be changed, transformed in victory. Death. Where is thy sting? God conquered death and hell. We shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. Death, where is thy sting? God conquered death and hell. We shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. Amen. Good morning. Thank you, brother. That's a great message and song. Encouraging. It's going to happen someday. Could happen today. In a moment of time, you know, that word, that little word moment comes from a term, Adam. The Adam is so small, and when the rapture takes place, it'll happen so quickly. Won't be any time to get ready. Better be ready now. He's coming back. I did notice I was uh, singing and had my head down and looked up, and all of a sudden the clock appeared <laughs> on the back wall. I don't know who ever set that up. I thought that was very interesting. Like, uh, here's a message for you. So, uh, so thank you. I, I got it. I want to thank Pastor for the invitation uh, to speak today. It's a privilege to know him. 
known Cindy longer than I've known him. He, she grew up in our church way back when, and uh, she was wise enough to marry that guy, and he was wise enough to marry her, and we're grateful for them. Take your Bible, open if you will, to the book of Job in the first chapter. There are many people whose lives and experiences are recorded for us in the scriptures. And some of them are just amazing people. I think of uh, Ruth, an amazing lady. Esther, the same. Daniel. Joseph. The Apostle Paul. But to me, no man stands out, no person stands out like this man does. Uh, what he went through is just absolutely unbelievable. And as we look at him this morning, which we're going to do, there won't be anything new. You know the account of his life and experience. But the testimony that he has is a testimony that you and I need to think about. And the reason we need to think about it is because there are too many Christians today who, for one reason or another, get discouraged, they get defeated. They don't walk with the Lord perhaps the way they once did, and they always find justification for that. They can point at a person or a circumstance or whatever it might be, something that got in the way of their walk. And so with that in mind, we're going to consider Job and his experience, and I hope it'll be a challenge to us. So let's pray together before we go any further. Our Father, we thank you that we can be together this morning. We thank you that we can come in the hope of the return of Christ, as our brother has sung. We thank you, Lord, that we can come in the name of the Lord Jesus to meet together and now to seek your blessing. And we ask you to use your word in our lives. You know our needs better than we do. We pray you would use the experience of this man, Job, your servant, to stir us. We'll thank you. We pray, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin at the beginning. Chapter 1, verse 1, where we find a, a general testimony about Job, a description of who he was, where he lived, something of his character. When it says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect, upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now that's a general testimony given that God in the narration will confirm later. But I want you to think about what is said about this man. He was perfect. That does not mean sinlessly perfect, you know that. But it does speak of the idea that he was not defiled by what was going on around him. One of the problems among God's people today is that too often we are defiled by what's going on around us. But that was not the case with Job. He was an upright man. That means he was straight. He was honest, a man of character. He feared God. I heard the fear of God described a long time ago with a, a, a way that I've always 
taken into my own life and the idea being that you are always aware of the presence of God. And when you and I are aware of the presence of God, I assure you, we don't say some things we might otherwise say. We don't go to some places we might otherwise go. We don't act in ways we might otherwise act because we are conscious of God's presence with us. That was Job. And then he eschewed evil. He withdrew from evil, turned from evil, rejected evil. Quite a man. We're told more about him. There were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses and a very great household so that, and take note of it, this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Now that's quite a statement to be made. This man was the greatest of all the men of the East. He was great in character. He was great in wealth. We'll see other things about him. Verse 4 says, His sons went and feasted in their houses, everyone his day. When one of the sons had a birthday, everybody gathered together. Seems to be the implication. They sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And so this was a a close-knit family, closer than many families we might know of today. They spent time together. They have obviously loved being with each other. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were going about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Job lived in a day. There was no temple. There was no particular place of worship. He was the head of his family. He was the the priest, as it were, unto God. And he was so concerned about his family, he thought maybe they did something wrong. He was spiritually aware of them, so much so that he made offerings to care for them before the Lord. Now verse 6 turns us in another direction. We are taken from the earthly scene, and we are all of a sudden presented with a heavenly scene. It says, now there was a day when the sons of God, angels, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. I'm not at all sure that that does not continue to happen to this day. Someday the accuser of the brethren will be cast down, Revelation tells us, but that is a day yet in the future. Verse 7 says, the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? In other words, where have you been? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. I think from the New Testament, we can get some picture of what this is all about. Peter tells us that the devil, as a roaring lion, goeth about seeking whom he may devour. That was true back then. That's true today. 
And so when the Lord says, well, where have you been? In essence, what have you been doing? He says, I've been going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. The idea is I've been looking and evaluating and seeing people and perhaps seeking to destroy many. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? And then look what God says about him. That there is none like him in the earth. This man, very unique. It is God who speaks of him and says, There is nobody on earth like this man. That's something. Then God describes him in harmony with what we read a few moments ago. A perfect, undefiled, upright man, straight, honest, man of character. One that feared God. He lives with an awareness of my presence with him. And he rejects evil. What a testimony. Satan is now going to raise an issue. And the issue is this, verse 9. Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Now that's important. Here's what he said. He said, Do you think there's no reason why Job fears you and serves you? And it would boil down to this. Do you think that Job serves you just because you're God? You think that's the only reason he serves you? Because he recognizes you for who you are? And as you know, he's going to go and make an accusation about Job. When he says in verse 10, Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? And it was true that God had done that. And I want to remind us this morning that the God of heaven has put a hedge around you. He's put a hedge around your family, your house, your possessions. Because what turns out to be true about Satan's attitude toward Job would be true about his attitude toward us. And that is simply this. If God allowed the hedge to be taken down, Satan will come and destroy every single one of us. He'll destroy our family. He'll take everything we've got. He'll take our lives. But this morning, let's remember this. God has put a hedge around us. The challenge, however, is this. What if the hedge is taken down a little bit? What if God allows things to go wrong in our lives? Will we continue to serve him? Or do we serve him because of the blessings? Do we serve God just because he's God? Even if the hedge comes down. Satan goes on, middle of verse 10. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now 
and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. According to the accusation, but a test was coming. And it's a test that you and I experience never to the degree that this man experienced it. But we all experience the test. And it should cause us to think about our worship of God and our service toward God. Is it conditioned on the blessings or is it simply because he is God? Verse 12, the Lord said unto Satan, behold, you can take the hedge down a little bit. Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. But look at this, because I want to remind us of something. You and I are never victims of Satan. God is always in charge, isn't he? One of the great promises of the New Testament is there hath no temptation. That term could well be rendered testing. That's the idea of it. There is no test. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you. He will not allow you to be tempted or tested above that ye are able but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. What a wonderful promise. God says to us, the, the, te- the hedge may be taken down. You may go through some hard times, but I am in charge, and I will not allow you to be tested beyond that which you are going to be enabled to bear, because God's saying, because I'll enable you to bear it. Sometimes you and I get to the point of saying, I can't take it anymore. And then God cries out and says, listen, I will never allow you to go through more than you'll be able to bear. Thankfully, we are not victims of Satan. We are in God's hands. Grateful for that. But the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thine power. And here was the control and power of God. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. God said, I will not let you to go that far. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. There's the heavenly scene. And then we're brought back to the earthly scene. Job, just like you and me. We don't get up looking for trouble, right? Just want to live our life. Want to serve God. Want to have a good home, good family, be responsible. That was Job. And all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, his life is just destroyed. And I know sometimes I've read these next verses and just kind of pass through them, but... Not too long ago, I thought, I just need to stop, and as I read through, I need to think about this and try to put myself in his place. How would I feel? How would I respond? And so it says that 
There was a day when his sons, Job's sons and his daughters, were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job, seemingly out of nowhere. And the messenger comes in and he says, the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And all of a sudden, an enemy came, the Sabians. They came and they fell upon them and they took them away. They took all your oxen. They took the asses and they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I'm the only one who got away and I've come to tell you what happened. I'm sure he was dumbstruck by that, just out of nowhere. But this first messenger doesn't even get finished when verse 16 says, while he was yet speaking... He's still telling his story. There came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven. Lightning has struck and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Lightning. We had an experience in our church years ago, 19... 84. Our kids were out on the soccer field playing another school. My boys were on the field. It was a very light rain falling. We heard just a little bit of a thunder way far away. There had been no other thunder, lightning, nothing. We didn't stop the game. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, this incredible bolt of lightning hit our soccer field. So much so, it knocked every player and the referees to the ground. And then everybody got up but one boy. And uh, that boy was killed that day. I never saw anything like that in my life. It was stunning, to say the least. And I think of that when I read this. This lightning comes and how great it must have been because it says that it burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And then this man says, and I'm the only one that lived through it. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said the Chaldeans, yet another enemy, the Chaldeans made out three bands fell upon the camels, have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell me another experience. And then while he was yet speaking, here's the most destructive of all. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons... And thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind, tornado, from the wilderness, smote the four corners of the house. It fell upon the young men, the young people. They are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. I don't know whether you and I can really identify with what we just read. I don't know if we can sense what the impact of that must have been on this man. 
But verse 20 says something that I struggle identifying with, and perhaps you too. Job arose. He rent his mantle. He shaved his head. He's broken. He's broken. But he falls down on the ground, and he worshipped. He worshipped. How do you do that? And then he spoke. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave. The Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job, in essence, was putting on display this. I don't worship God and serve God because of all that he's given me. I worship God because he's God. And in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And then it ends. The day ends. The experience ends. He's lost his wealth, and he lost his kids in one day. Well, we don't know how much time passes. He goes on living his life. But chapter 2 then comes and says this. Again, there was a day. Another day came. Might have been days away, weeks away, months away. I don't know. But another day came. And on this day... The sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth. There is no man like this man on the whole earth. Perfect, upright, feareth God, and escheweth evil. And then this statement. And still he holdeth fast his integrity. Although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. His integrity. What's integrity? Integrity is wholeness. Soundness. Integrity describes something that has not been damaged. Something that is in an unimpaired condition. Pennsylvania, we have all these bridges all over the place, covered bridges, all kinds of bridges. And right now they're going through the state and they are checking the bridges for their integrity. Are they broken? Are they cracked? Can they take the pressure? Can they take the weight? Integrity. 
God says this. Satan, in all that this man has gone through, he has come out of it, and he is still sound, he is whole, he has not been spiritually damaged by what he's gone through, he has borne the pressure, he has taken the destruction, and he is still faithful to me. He still holds his integrity. I want to ask you this morning to think about where you are in your life, your walk with God, perhaps compared to where you once were. Has something got in the way? People, circumstances, hard times. So that when there was a time where you were faithful and devoted and serving and sold out, you enjoyed the peace of God and the joy of the Lord and and you were busy for him but something got in the way and sometimes those hard times so affect us that while we still show up we sit we worship but perhaps we become more of a spectator than a a servant We continue on, but not with the same zeal, not with the same excitement, not with the same surrender. And we justify our new attitude by being able to point at something or someone or perhaps to the Lord himself that he let me down. I trusted him. It didn't go the way I thought it should go. God wasn't there for me. Or I can't accept what God allowed to happen in my life. That's why I don't serve the way I used to serve. That's why I'm not as zealous for him as, as I once was. Satan has no mercy. Verse 4, Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. What's he saying? He's saying, God, I want to tell you something about Job and, and about maybe men in general. But I want to tell you about Job. You know what he really cared about in life? He did not care about his wealth. He did not care his kids. He cares about himself. That's all he really cares about. 
And so those things he didn't really care about could be taken away from him and it didn't affect him because it didn't matter to him. But he said, let me tell you something. You touch him and you see how he responds. Yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Well, Satan, I'm still in charge, but I'm going to let you touch him, but you cannot take his life. Behold, he is in thy hand, but save his life. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, and he smote Job with sore boils. From the sole of his foot unto his crown, and he took him a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among ashes. Again, a broken man trying to somehow care for himself. And then the one closest to him on the earth. antagonized, if you will. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Job, with all we've been through and with all you are going through, are you still going to trust God? Are you still going to be faithful to God? Are you still going to serve God? Look what he's allowed to happen to you. She said, curse God and die. Job, give up. It's not worth it. Too many people today who yield to the pressures and they don't serve God anymore because they're not sure it's worth it. He said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? Shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. What a man, an incredible man. He would later say, as you know, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. How could he do that? How could he live that way? We know Job had without doubt, an eternal perspective. And you and I need that same perspective. Look with me at Job 19. Again, a text with which you are familiar. But in Job 19, verse 25, here is an Old Testament saint. 
who certainly did not have in his hands what we have in our hands, this message of God. But he had an incredible faith and an incredible perspective. And so you know the verse, Job 19 and verse 25. He said, for I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself. And mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Why do you and I weaken in faith sometimes? Why do you and I not serve with the same fervency that we once had? Well, the reason is we're too earthly-minded. And somehow we need to beg God to help us see beyond the days that we have here on this earth. That's not always easy to do, but I want to tell you something. If we think that the problems of life are all going to get solved here and somehow then everything will be okay, we're just fooling ourselves. There's so much that goes wrong that isn't going to be made right while we're here. And if we can't look beyond that to another day, to an eternal day, then we can end up giving up and quitting here. Now, I tell you, I love the thought of the rapture. I love my brother's message this morning. And I believe that. I hope you believe that. There's a whole segment of Christianity today that is walking away from that precious truth. But I want to tell you, he's coming again. And I don't want to diminish that at all, because I'm looking for it. And, you know, you who are also gray-haired and bald-headed, you know, you're excited about maybe happening real quick, you know, like while we're still here. But you know, beyond that, there's an incredible day coming when the heaven and earth that you and I now see and experience will be no more. Someday after the millennial reign of Christ, the heavens and the earth that we now know will pass away. And the Lord's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And in that setting will dwell righteousness. And there will never again be any hurt, no heartache, no pain, no death, no sorrow. What a day it's going to be. And it's only when you and I can get beyond the heartache here and see it in light of the eternity to come can we live the way this man lived. And I don't want anything like he went through to you. And I don't think we'll get it because we are not the people that Job was. God knew who could stand that kind of a test. He said, there's nobody on earth like him. But boy, that just sends chills up and down your spine. But whatever we go through, the hurt is real. 
And we ought never diminish the significance of hurt and heartache in somebody else's life. But I thank God there's another day coming, an eternal day. And somehow you and I have to not become so heavenly minded, we are no earthly good, but properly heavenly minded so we can be what God wants us to be here. And so here's my question today. Discouraged? Defeated? Not living the way you once did? Not as excited about the Lord as you once were? And as you get older, again, sorry to pick on the we here, but you can't always do what you did do, but you can do. You can find out what you can do. Do it. We're not supposed to be doing anymore. He has a good way of taking us off the scene and taking us home. But as long as we are here, young or old, we are here with purpose. And it's the heartaches and people and problems that get in the way of us fulfilling the purpose that God has for us. And I don't want to lose sight of that in my life. I hope you don't either. And so if you can honestly say, well, I know what got in the way. The hurt the people, the whatever it is. I know what got in the way. I know what I've stumbled over. You've got to cast it aside. Renew your surrender. Beg God, Lord, use me. I think the only thing of real value here is to be used of God. With our family, with our loved ones, with the unsaved, in service to him. What else matters? But sometimes we take ourselves out of the battle, out of service, because we've stumbled over something. Set it aside. Come back to surrender if you need to. Let's pray together. Our Father, we know the weakness that comes along with our humanity. To not be what we once were. To not serve as we once served. To not have the joy we once had. And Father, we would pray this morning for ourselves as a group. We would pray one for the other. And ask you to call us back to serve you in full surrender. To live for you the best we can. To not let things get in the way. We thank you. So our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Pastor will come and dismiss the service as he sees fit. But I want to ask you this morning this. Can I pray for you? Your head is bowed, eyes are closed, folks aren't looking around. I am. But you say, Brother Griffith, the truth is, I've stumbled over some things. Things have gotten in the way, I know it. But I don't want to live there. 
I don't want to serve God just because of the blessings or things going right. I want to serve God because he's God. Now, you know what that means in your life. I don't, but you know. And maybe you're here today and say, would you remember me in prayer as you close? I'd like to do that. I won't point you out or embarrass you in any way. But I want you to know that's how I want to live my life. I really do. And you might say, me too, brother. So anyone like that, just an uplifted hand. Yes, God bless you. And there and here, many, many hands. We each know our own struggle, don't we? But let's give that to the Lord. In fact, I encourage you in the quietness of your own heart, say, Lord, I'm surrendering this to you now. Father, help us. We know you want your best for us. And we want to give you our best. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, folks.